my instinct would be to say, well, you know, home is the UK, but is it really at this point? You know, is it really after, after this amount of time? And how will my perspective change 10, 20 years from now? It doesn't have to be as long as a decade from now. It'd be interesting to ask me that question like in five years. Now, where's home? How do you, how do you feel about that question now? Hi, my name is Jose and I'm a photographer from Venezuela, living in New York. As an immigrant myself, I'm curious about other immigrants living in the city, from their motivations to leave their countries and their connection to their cultures, to what New York City means to them. This is New Neighbors. On this episode of New Neighbors, I spoke with Jonathan. Jonathan works for the United Nations and is also a brilliant street and portrait photographer, originally from the UK. Jonathan and I hit it off immediately, so much so that he was kind and generous enough to invite me to his home in Queens, where we shared a couple of beers while we discussed family, the city, and what home means to us. Here's Jonathan from the UK and Queens. What was your your motivation to, to come to you? So a couple of things. I mean, firstly, on a professional level, and I would say, no, not ne- it's not necessarily in that order, professional and personal. It was actually in, in tandem. So my wife's American. So obviously, you know, having got married at a time where I was still working abroad, I wanted to be in a situation, you know, where I could be with my family. So it was, it was at that point, you know, where I started the process of becoming a, a legal permanent resident. And then in tandem, you know, trying to find a job in the US, I mean, specifically in New York, you know, it took me a long time, you know, I was trying for a long time to get something suitable. You know, I work with the UN, so the headquarters is, is obviously here in, in New York. So I was quite limited, at least in terms of, the, the parts of the US that I could move to. So you know, in reality, the closest I could get to my family was here in the Northeast. So we've always been physically separated I and mean, they're in Virginia. My wife's in the Navy, she's a Naval officer. So we've tried to sort of be as close as we can, you know, in terms of geographical proximity, but never been under one roof. I mean, at least not yet anyway, but we have a plan to get to that point, you know, when she retires in a couple of years from now. So, you know, we'll finally then be consolidated under one roof. But that was really, you know, the genesis of it. It was about, you know, trying to be together as as a family. But I think now, you know, 10 years down the line, you know, even though I say I don't think I'll ever, ever fully assimilate, I also can't see myself living anywhere else because I feel that I've... I've adjusted by virtue of necessity and obviously so my job settling with my family as well, you know, having kids. So that obviously helps you, makes you, forces you actually to put some roots down. Oh, we're, yeah. that's very interesting. We're, we're planning on having kids soon. Right. Do you think that also changes your perspective yeah, definitely. On, on assimilation? And- definitely. Yeah. I don't know if, if it was during our conversation. Yeah. But I I remember speaking with somebody about your kids not having the same proximity to your culture as you do and then yeah. that they will grow up 
Uh, a different one. Exactly. I was just going to say, and I think that will, that will obviously be, I think, a factor for you as well in that, you know, your, your child, your children will be born here in the US. They will grow up here. So, I mean, they're likely to become more American, if I can describe it like that, than yourself. Because I see the same with my kids. You know, their, their mother is American. They were born here. They've known nothing other than American culture in their day-to-day lives, with the exception of, you know, my input, you know, my, my cultural input, my influence in their life, which they're obviously very well aware of. I mean, they're aware that I'm from a different culture. I've got, I speak differently. I've got different values and characteristics, you know, which are inscribed by my culture. So I think it will, it will ground you a little bit more. But I think it's sort of it was it will be something that will also take you a bit further into the society as well because, you know, you'll be schooling them here. You know, they'll be socialising as they grow up, socialised I should say into American society. So they're likely to have you know slightly different perspectives from yours, even though I'm sure, as you raise them, you know, they will also have instilled in them, you know values from your culture as well, yeah. uh, which is, I think is really important. And I, I try to do that and probably subconsciously as well, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah there's, it's, it's, there's something that you pass on to people yeah. that are around you that it's not even something that you say or you do, yeah. it's just something that they absorb just being around you. Exactly. When you first got here, did you, were you able to create an alternative family to the one in the UK? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's always been the case, you know, in the sense that, you know, my, my family has been my, has been my focus. So I've got three young kids and that was obviously a, you know, a, became a central focus for me, you know, concentrating on raising them. So I think, you know, in starting a family of my own, that was kind of something that grounded me, you know, that gave me a focus here as well. And I think if I didn't have that, then yeah, I'm sure things would be would be quite different. You know, mm. I mean, I would probably have to find my roots here in a different way. You know, which wouldn't be family inspired. You know, obviously, my family back home is is irreplaceable, and that bond, you know, that tie is always is always going to be very very strong. Mm. And probably also because we're culturally assimilated, right? So I'm I'm probably always going to find it easier to relate to, you know, my 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 family in the UK by virtue of the fact that they raised me. We can sort of intuitively understand one another more easily. Our mentalities are more similar, and that's I think where you can struggle a little bit, where you're essentially transplanted, right? <laughs> you know, you're thrown into a a very different world where you know, you don't necessarily share the same outlooks, you know, and, mm-hmm. and values. And not to say that you you can't, I don't think it's a case of not being able to adopt them. I mean, I think I think you can, but I think there's a sort of, it's a bit more nuanced. I think you adapt, you know, you don't necessarily assimilate, but you adapt and you come to be more accepting, I think. Yeah, accepting. Yeah, accepting, not mm-hmm. necessarily assimilating, and adopting mm-hmm. the culture, so to speak. Although I think, in, at least in the case of New York, 
what is the culture? I mean, we were just talking about Queens and the diversity here. What, how, you, how would you define the culture? You know, in somewhere like Queens, you know, which is the most multicultural place on earth. What is the culture? It well, <laughs> well, that's not that's a five-hour discussion. That's a challenging question to even think about when yeah. you when you pose that question about what's the culture in New York, and then you specifically right. think about different boroughs and yeah. different communities. Yeah, I think that the answer is not simple. I can't even fathom the question. Yeah. And speaking of your family, how do you keep in, in touch with them? How do you stay in touch with them? You know, I, I see them periodically, not that often. And then, you know, just normal, you know, Zoom, FaceTime and, you know, just sort of a normal, normal on, online, you know, communications. And I mean, it's not the same, obviously, as seeing people in person and I don't see them as often as I should. But, you know, they do travel over here and I'll hopefully get there later this year as well yeah. with my family. But it is it's difficult to sort of retain, you know, a very very close ties when you've been away for a, a a long period of time. Because in actual fact, I say I've been here for ten years. Prior to that, I was different parts of the world for about twelve years or so. You know, with my career in various different places. Mm-hmm. So in reality, you know, I haven't been in the UK, you know, on a on a permanent basis since uh, I think about two thousand and six or something like that. So it's quite some time now. What is your definition of home, if you have one? Yeah, that's a good question, because my instinct, you know, when asked that question would be to say, you know, the, the UK. I do think there's always a sort of um, unbreakable bond that you have to the place where you were born and where you were raised. But can that shift, you know, during the course of your life? You know, so, for example, you know, I'm now a legal permanent resident in the US. You know, I have a home here family and so on so by definition that could also be home so my instinct would be to say well you know home is the uk but is it really at this point you know is it is it really after after this amount of time and how will my perspective change 10 20 years from now so 20 years from now let's assume i'm still here i'm quite sure that my mind might have shifted a little bit on this question I might be inclined to say well you know it's it's the US because I think by definition as well I mean if you've you've emigrated I'm an immigrant here so I've emigrated from my homeland so by legal definition I'm a resident of this country so you're a resident somewhere equals your home right so I'm getting into sort of more sort of the the legalities of it rather than the I guess the, the, the cultural, the more, I, I would say, perhaps emotional side of it, rather, you know, the more, the more sort of human feeling side that I think is something that you will never really lose. So I think my instinct still would, would be always to say, where's home? Well, the UK, I still feel that tie is, is quite strong, but has become less significant, I, I think. And, you know, I, I don't really have the desire, you know, to turn back the clock and, and, and live there again on a permanent basis. And it's funny, you asked me that question. I had a conversation with a British colleague of mine at work at the UN. He's married to a Dutch woman. His mother, who's passed away now, was American. His father also passed and was, was British. He has dual nationality. He grew up in the UK, but has obviously had a strong cultural, American cultural influence in his life. 
from his mother, and we were having this conversation. He described himself as feeling more and more American, that you know he was taking more and more interest in understanding the political dynamics of the society, you know, w- watching more American TV shows and just naturally becoming just more, mm-hmm. I would say, involved and settled in, in this society. So I don't think we're ever static, right? No. So that's why I say, you know, I'm sure it doesn't have to be as long as a decade from now. It'd be interesting to ask me that question like in five years, you know, where's home? How do you, how do you feel about that question now? Because I think there's also a feedback loop, you know, to my British people at home, you know, and I'd be interested to talk to them now and spend some time around them. And that might be sort of an indicator to me of how my mindset has mm. probably changed, you know, how can I relate to them, you know, as easily as I once could. And I think the answer yeah. to that is probably going to be a no. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm particularly fond of that of you speaking about yourself in the future and understanding that that definition of home might change. Yeah. I think a lot of things like that question are dynamic. Yeah. The sense of home, the sense of belonging. Yeah. Your vision obviously changes the way that you look at your family and your alternative family yeah. here in New York. Yeah. Even the things that keep you up at night and the things that motivate you are going to be different. Yep. Exactly. And speaking of which, is there something that keeps you up at night now, today? I, you know, I, I think, I think sometimes, you know, my, you know, my, my concerns and worries are probably very similar to those that many of us have, you know, around, you know, the costs of living, job security. And I think also your, your kids can create stress for you in a lot of different ways. I mean, not least from making a complete mess of the place, but also, you know, you worry sometimes about how they're doing at school and, you know, whether you're doing enough for them and things like that, which I, I don't think um, are unique, you know, to a to a particular place. I mean, I think those are probably common concerns for most people. I mean, at least in terms of those core issues of, you know, job security and financial security more broadly is a big thing on most people's minds, right? So I think it's sort of more issues of, of, I think, just sort of ensuring the best for family and, and, and being in the right place and moving a career in the right direction that you want to go and having a sense of making progress, things like that, I think, can weigh on your mind, you know, and I can. But that being said, I, I also find as well that if I'm going through a particularly challenging or stressful period at work, I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night thinking about work. But the funny thing here as well, it's often when I solve some problems, you know, I might wake up and have some ideas, yeah. you know, and I've done some weird things in the past, you know, and I recall actually having a really good, what I thought was a really good idea. I wrote it down, you know, <laughs> you know I jumped out of bed. I've always got like a notepad around and pencil. Like this. So I wrote it down, but right, okay. But usually I can try and, you know, try and remember it the next day and I can usually retrieve it. You know. That's so funny that you say that. My co-founder and myself, yeah. we, we work at a startup and we keep yeah. a notepad near our bed. Yeah, good Because sometimes we're, okay, this is how we do it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one because I thought it was, I thought I, it made me feel a little bit weird, you know, to do that. But I, you know, it's sort of reassuring that other people do the same as well. But 
I think it's also, you know, we were talking about the subconscious earlier. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, solutions to things that you're grappling with in your life can come to you at the most unexpected moments. Exactly. When you're lying in bed at night, when you're taking a shower, sometimes when I'm shaving, ah, that's what I'm going to do. That was it. And I believe that sometimes you and your body and your mind, they already have the solutions. It's just a matter of finding a right moment for your mind to unlock it. Right. And when that happens, I also think that it's your body and yourself trying to protect yourself too and trying to do do better for you. So when you have those moments, it's just your body saying, here, see, you have the, you have the answer. You don't need to worry anymore about it. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel about the, when, when answers come to me, it's like, I knew this, but it needed to be unlocked. I think can also speak to maybe stress Mm -hmm. and how stress can affect you. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're saturated during the day, and I guess there's probably an element of psychology here as well. How do I, you know, how do our minds work? How do we analyze and solve problems? And, you know, evidently doesn't necessarily happen, you know, between the hours of, you know, nine and five when you're, you know, in front of a laptop somewhere, wherever you are at home or at work, doesn't really matter doesn't necessarily happen within that window it can happen even at the weekends you know mm-hmm. yeah it happens during yeah. the weekends you can't and you, sometimes you, just... you can't control now switching gears a little bit yep. is there something that inspires you to get out of bed in the morning yeah that's that's a good question because i think i think it's changed you know as i as i got a little bit older i think perhaps that initial drive and enthusiasm that i had for my line of work is Possibly not as strong as it as it once was, so I also try and lean into my more creative side as well, and I think that's where photography is for me is is a lot of different things. It's an escape, I think, in some ways, in, into creative realm. I find it that it's it's just giving you your ability to to really sort of deal with a medium that has no fixed boundaries is very much about what you want to make it right so you know essentially the sky is a limit i mean how many camera and there's so much you can do with it so i think that really inspires me and, and drives me and what i found as well i mean talking to other people about it looking at other people's work which is always you know i think a great source of inspiration that is definitely something that that does drive me to get out of bed in the morning it gives me a counterbalance right so i think it's something maybe that enthuses me more at the weekends rather than during the week because often my mind during the week is focused on work that being said it is sort of a a different side of my brain Mm -hmm. you know that i've got to do this spreadsheet or something right (laughs) i really don't feel like doing this spreadsheet so i you know i think about what do I want to do in my next shoot? You know, how can I improve on some of the techniques that I've been working on? You know, how can I push the envelope a little bit and be a bit more creative? You know, how can I sort of overcome this issue that I'm not happy about in my photography? So that's a real driver, you know? I wanted to ask you, is there something that you're thankful for uh, that New York has given you? Yeah, I think I think an appreciation of what's possible and, and really what I mean by that I think is just seeing how 
how you can thrive here if you have the willingness to work to put in the effort you know to struggle and strive it does offer you know really really good opportunities and it's also a magnet i think as well for very talented people from different walks of life it's a major global financial center for example it's the center of the fashion world it's a massive cultural center you know that the list can go on there are so many things that it's known for so i think um for me it's an appreciation of what's possible um i think it also has given me you know an opportunity to admire you know how people have embraced those opportunities and you know i'm thinking about you know a few years ago i had a medical procedure and the specialist was ukrainian and he he came here from ukraine i think when he was 22 22 years old he said he had 20 dollars in his pocket you know now he's a he's a, a gastroenterologist a specialist at nyu i'm sure he's got a bit more than 20 bucks in his <laughs> pocket now but you know the basically the story being is that he came he you know he 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 worked hard he struggled and he's made good of it um you know and i can draw a parallel but in a different way from the family that lives downstairs from venezuela originally so the guy he runs his own business he does does flooring i don't think i've ever met a person as hard working as him and you know he came 20 odd years ago you know from venezuela he now has two kids grandkids his his kids were were born here and i think it was more than 20 years ago actually that but so you know they were raised here and you know he's now got grandkids and he's a regular working guy you know he's very committed to his trade you know he he works every day but he wants things that are very similar to other people he wants security for his family you know he wants job security for him, himself and his family I should say a better standard of living you know better opportunities that maybe he had and and maybe that was the reason that caused him to emigrate in the first place he wanted to seek better opportunities but to see how you know he's applied himself and worked towards that goal i find it's very impressive so i think it's just seeing these examples of people who've come you know for for very different reasons you know i've also got a friend from guatemala the same you know came over as a a 12 year old you know not speaking a word of english and um you know has gone on to be successful raised a nice family and settled here and raised children again you know wanted to give them a more stable a better opportunity and so i draw inspiration from seeing you know how people have turned lemonades into in lemons into lemonade <laughs> right i mean it's sort of who maybe um not had the best circumstances to work with but have have managed to turn the tables really and to to succeed and make some kind of progress in life and to see that how that is 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 not necessarily an uncommon thing here right i mean again sort of bringing the the focus back to queens you know where i think roughly 50% of the population was born outside the country so people had lives still have lives we were talking about this earlier you know where's home they still have roots elsewhere mm-hmm. 
but you know have have come and have adapted and, and come for very different reasons and under very different circumstances but i what i like about it as well is that i think new yorkers i think new york city are the people here are very accepting of of others to a large degree so you know there's a recognition that people have come from everywhere and you know it would it'd probably be a bit of naive and exaggeration to say that we all live in harmony because I don't think that's necessarily the case, but there's a certain level of coexistence and mm -hmm. acceptance. And I think that also, you know, speaks to some degree to, you know, the history of immigration in this country as well. And, you know, essentially it's a society that was, was built on immigrants. But then of course, you know, there's a sort of a limit to that in the mm -hmm. narrative as well. So, you know, the narrative that I'm spinning is more of like a New York liberal, liberal narrative which is not something that is obviously not, not pervasive throughout this country. And that, I would say, is another point as well. I think, you know, coming back to this, this issue of assimilation and calling this place home and really understanding it, adopting the cultural values, I don't think when I came I understood the size and diversity, you know, of, of this country. I don't think I still do. I mean, I, I think, you know, 10, 20 years from now, you know, I will have a more nuanced understanding. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've really got the full picture. I mean, I'm trying to understand it. But, you know, there are so many different political narratives here as well, mm -hmm. different sort of demographic configurations, political motivations, um, cultural influences, you know, that are are woven throughout the society, but I don't think I really yet comprehend one one the size of this country, its diversity and and the complexity, and mm. and also the complexity of of the challenges, right? The complexities of the problems, mm -hmm. and I think maybe I've painted too much of a rosy picture about things. You know, I mean that there are still you know some very real problems in this society. You know that run very deep. So I think, you know, we, we have to be mindful that, you know, people have very different experiences of immigration. And there's a very strong, on the conservative side, you know, very strong anti-immigration narrative as well. Um, so let's not be naive to say that you're going to be welcomed with open arms and mm -hmm. accepted and understood because the harsh reality of it is that is often not the case at all you know and that there are huge racial issues in this society oh, yeah. and the reasons for that obviously are very complex as well but i think one has to be a bit measured you know in their analysis of, of this society as well as that yes it can offer great opportunities yes the quality of life for many people is very very good but i'll caveat that saying that for a good number of people is also not and there is institutionalized racism you know there is a, a very very strong anti-immigration narrative as well so there are factors that are not necessarily healthy or constructive or actually downright discriminatory which manifest in, in the institutions of this society as well and yeah. make it particularly difficult for certain groups. I mean, certain minorities in, in particular will continue to experience significant challenges. I mean, challenges is, is probably 
a little bit too mild as well is that, you know, if not outright brutalization and systemic racism, discrimination, that is a, to me, is, is, is a huge problem and something that's very visible in this society, you know. Yes, particularly nowadays, it's yeah. very hard to, to hide certain, yeah. certain things yeah. because democratization of technology is such yeah. that anyone with a phone Absolutely can record right. things. Yeah. And I, it can be a double-edged sword sometimes yeah. when you log into social media, things can, yeah. as you said, it's complex. Yeah. And things have certain different tones, political tones, social yeah. tones. People yeah. add yeah. these to, to their content. So it's very yeah. hard to distinguish what's real and what's not. Yeah. But certainly, you know, it's very easy to... It, the idea that certain things don't happen, I think, is, is not true nowadays. I so, wanted to, to know if it would be possible to take pictures. Sure. Would you mind lending me your restroom, please? Sure. Thank just, you. Just an hour left. I appreciate it. No, no, um, no. Should I put this over here? Is that sure. Okay? Yeah. Thank you. There's a quote by Maya Angelou that goes like this. I long, as does every human being, to be at home wherever I find myself. I believe there's no place like home. But what is home? Is it the house where we grew up? Or if we really want to get more philosophical, is it a person? Is it your partner, your children, your cat? And what if you're a nomad? Is it a pair of socks in your backpack? All right, I'll stop. All I'll say is this. I think home is anything that makes you feel at ease and like yourself. It's that sense of belonging. It's that feeling of being exactly where you need to be. This is how I feel now, but hey, ask me again in five years. New Neighbors is produced by myself, Jose Reyes, and Alex Gerard. Special thanks to the amazing Jonathan Robinson for his stories and the beers. Check out Jonathan's incredible work on Instagram at Jonathan underscore Robinson underscore photography. Our website, newneighborsproject.com. You can find the portraits of our new neighbors on my Instagram account at thank you, dude. We'll be back next week with more stories from our new neighbors. Ciao.